Welcome to the Knowledge at Wharton podcasts. Knowledge at Wharton is the online research and business analysis journal of the Wharton School of the University of Pennsylvania. For more information, please visit our website at knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Support for Knowledge at Wharton podcasts comes from Vanguard, offering investments designed to help individuals and institutions reach their long-term financial goals at Vanguard.com. Something old, something new. How will Microsoft's changing of the guard play out? Ray Ozzie is in. Bill Gates is heading out, but not entirely. And Steve Ballmer is staying right where he is, at least for now. What does this game of musical chairs among the members of Microsoft's high command portend for the world's biggest software company? Far from being a source of confusion and uncertainty, Gates recently announced decision that he will relinquish his full-time day-to-day involvement in the company in July 2008, maybe just the breath of fresh air needed for a firm facing major challenges to its core business, according to Warden experts. Gates, in choosing Aussie to replace him as chief software architect in 2008, has made a brilliant choice, they say. And while Aussie and Balmer bring different histories to their roles, Aussie is a relative newcomer to Microsoft, while Balmer is a longtime friend of Bill's and a Microsoft veteran, there is every reason for them to do all they can to work well together. If management problems do arise, Gates, who will remain chairman after 2008, will be available to help sort things out. Indeed, one faculty member says Gates and Balmer may be grooming Aussie to eventually take over Balmer's CEO position when Balmer decides to step down. Gates, who has been the face of Microsoft for the last three decades, decided to ratchet back his involvement in the company to devote more time to giving away his $30 billion fortune to fund AIDS research and other causes through the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Gates's intentions took on added significance earlier this week when Warren Buffett, another close friend of Gates, announced that he was donating $31 billion of his fortune to the Gates Foundation. The foundation will now have close to $61 billion to dispense, a far greater amount than that of the Ford Foundation and several other top charitable institutions combined. At the same time that Aussie was named as Gates' understudy for the next two years, there was another significant move at Microsoft, the promotion of Craig Mundy from Chief Technical Officer to the post of Chief Research and Strategy Officer. All eyes, however, will be on Balmer and Aussie, whose teaming up comes at a critical time for Microsoft. Ray Aussie is a great choice, says Kevin Werbach, Wharton Legal Studies and Business Ethics professor, who has known Aussie since the late 1990s. Ray is widely recognized as being perhaps the most brilliant software engineer in the world, and on top of that, he is a wonderful and very engaging person. Ray is one of the few people who has the technological reputation to come into a place like Microsoft from the outside and garner respect. In contrast to Aussie's software expertise, Balmer, who took over the chief executive role from Gates six years ago, when Gates assumed the title of chief software architect, is known more for his sales and marketing prowess. Werbank describes Aussie as genteel of manner, in contrast to the more outgoing and occasionally bombastic Balmer. But you don't have the kind of success Aussie's had without having an iron will behind it. Steve Balmer is an extremely smart guy, Werbach adds. I wouldn't challenge his technology knowledge at all, but he is a salesman and a manager more than an engineer, whereas Bill Gates was always seen as the technological inspiration for the company. Although Aussie's personality is very different from Gates's, he's also someone who is a technical visionary. Aussie is best known as the developer of Lotus Notes and founder of Groove Networks. Lotus was acquired by IBM in 1995 and Groove was acquired by Microsoft in 2005, which is when Aussie joined the company. These three have known each other for 30 years, Werbach adds. I haven't asked Ray this point blank, but I suspect that part of the reason why Microsoft brought him in and why he was willing to go was the possibility that he would be the next CEO of the company. 
Gates' decision to step back and elevate Ozzy and Craig Mundy reinforces that view for me. This was a big decision for Ozzy. He didn't have to do this. This was also a big decision for Gates and Balmer. Microsoft is a great company with a very deep bench of managers. It's not at all a trivial thing to bring in Ray from the outside for this visible role. Two-year trial period. Evan Wittenberg, director of the Wharton Graduate Leadership Program, sees Gates' decision as part of an ongoing process of succession planning and says the Microsoft founder did the right thing in announcing a transition period. It allows for change without unsettling financial markets and provides continuity within the company. Six years ago, Gates stepped down as CEO, so that was the first step, Wittenberg says. Now he's moving on to another role. He's still going to provide the philosophical underpinnings of the organization and its history, and he's going to provide consistency. And he says he's not retiring. Two years gives the organization plenty of time to reshuffle to look for other leaders from within. Wharton management professor Catherine Klein says the transition period, even though unusually long, makes sense. The transition is likely to keep Microsoft on a steady track, even though it is going through a lot of change. There's something somewhat conservative in scheduling a two-year transition, but I think that's wise. Wharton management professor Lawrence Rubiniak agrees that Gates has done the smart thing in establishing a transition period to give Aussie a chance to get his sea legs. In addition, by handpicking Aussie for this role, Gates touching Aussie on the shoulder with a sword, as the image Rubiniak suggests, Gates ensures that Microsoft employees will accept him. Rubiniak also says, however, that Gates, Aussie and Balmer will have to work hard to carry out Gates' pledge to step gradually out of the way in deference to Aussie's new position. The next year or two will be a period of testing, Rubiniak points out. A two-year transition is a long transition. Gates is trying to say on the one hand, I'm leaving, but on the other hand, I'm going to hang around to make sure you do things my way. If Aussie does something Gates doesn't like, will Gates jump in and say, that's not what I want? Wittenberg agrees that Gates has to tread carefully to avoid undermining Aussie, perhaps by overruling his decisions, but says this is unlikely to happen, since Gates appears truly dedicated to spending more time than he ever has on philanthropy. It could be a problem if Microsoft starts to do something that wouldn't have been Gates' choice, Wittenberg notes. If Gates starts questioning decisions and he has the urge to come back and reassert himself as the largest shareholder, that could be pretty disruptive. I don't know to what extent he is a micromanager. His challenge is going to be how to play a role in the company that was his life and make sure he's just putting his toe in the water. Pride in what he built may try to suck him back in. Kendall Whitehouse, Wharton Senior Director of Information Technology, says it will be interesting to see how the Balmer-Aussie relationship plays out because they are very different kinds of executives. Politically, it's hard to imagine Aussie having the same weight Gates had within the company, notes Whitehouse. Balmer is not seen as a technological visionary. He runs the company and runs it well. My suspicion is Balmer will focus on delivering near-term shareholder value and be more concerned with tactics, while Aussie will be teed up to look at long-term strategy. Those roles often naturally conflict. How are Balmer and Aussie going to make the trade-offs between short-term tactics and long-term strategy? Where will the power lie? It will be interesting to see how much political power Aussie will have to get his initiatives implemented across the company. Rubiniak says Aussie's success will hinge on how well he can build on his technology background without stepping on Balmer's toes. If I were him, I'd use Gates as a resource, Rubiniak says. I would tell Gates what I'd like to do, then go to Balmer. Aussie should use Gates indirectly to influence Balmer since they, Balmer and Gates, are friends. Rubiniak also believes a key issue will be how Balmer and Aussie settle differences over strategic decisions. If Microsoft is entering a new business or product line, who should have the final say, or the biggest say, Aussie and the software guys, or Balmer and the business managers?
It's not only a technical decision, but a business decision. You would think their roles and decisions would be clearly defined, but I've seen many cases in companies where they weren't. Still, Rabiniak notes that the changes at the top of Microsoft could be much needed because sometimes a shakeup forces executives to sharpen their views of the company's strategy and their own individual roles. There could be a positive outcome from this, he says. Different personalities. Although Balmer and Ozzy appear to have quite different personalities, Klein says it is not clear at all, according to the management literature, that personality fit is predictive of whether managers can work well together. Extroverts often work with introverts. A lot of married couples have different personalities, and that's not a bad analogy to what's happening at Microsoft. To work together, you need a clear fit around values and goals. My impression is that there is such clarity about what's needed at Microsoft. The company is incredibly strong, but it is in challenging times and needs to be rethinking some of its strategies. That clarity is likely to serve Balmer and Aussie well and prevent too much jockeying for power. The key challenge for Microsoft is to adapt and thrive in a new world where the competition is coming from the likes of Google, not from the software competitors that Gates had to contend with in the 1980s and 1990s. The great challenge for Microsoft is that at its core it's a software company, and software as we know it is dead, says Werbach. All the energy and economic activity is moving to the web. People more and more buy computers to take advantage of the web. They are going to question why they should spend hundreds of dollars on an operating system. And once they have bought it, they are going to question why they should bother to upgrade it. That's the challenge for Ray Ozzy. This isn't anything Microsoft hasn't anticipated. The fact that it is willing to bring in Ray is an extraordinary admission on the part of Gates and Balmer that they need to do something. Longer term, Werbach says he would not be shocked if Balmer steps down as chief executive when Gates gives up his post as chief software architect in 2008. Steve Balmer is a billionaire many times over. At some point, he's going to want to move on in his life. Ray is not a spring chicken either. Gates, Balmer and Ozzy are all 50 years old. If he's going to be CEO, it's going to happen in the next three to five years. As for Gates, Werbach concludes, the company is his life and he's never going to stop being a significant influence on it.